catching you up on the latest stories from around the Sunshine State that you should know heading into this Monday morning, August 22nd. I'm Jacob Sedesi, and this is The Point from WUFT News. Today marks just one week until the first launch window for NASA's Artemis 1 mission opens. This launch will mark the beginning of the Artemis program, which plans to return to the moon in preparation for travel to Mars. I spoke with WMFE's space reporter Brendan Byrne about what NASA's been doing in Cape Canaveral to prepare and what's left before launch. Here's Brendan. One of the last major milestones occurred, and that was getting the vehicle, the Space Launch System, or SLS, this is the rocket that's carrying the Orion space capsule, it was transported from the Vehicle Assembly Building at Kennedy Space Center and brought out to the launch pad. And this is a significant milestone because the next place that this rocket is going to go is the moon. So (laughs) this is the, the last stop for SLS while it's here on this planet. So this rollout is the most recent thing that happened, but what else has NASA been doing to prepare? How did it get to this point? Well, we could go back decades if you want, uh, <laughs> but this this is a, a very long time coming. This first launch of SLS has been long delayed and has run over budget, but it did take quite a bit to get here. Before this trip to the launch pad, it's actually been out to the launch pad. Back in June, teams at Kennedy Space Center moved the vehicle from its assembly building to the launch pad, and they conducted what's called a wet dress rehearsal. And this is pretty much doing everything that they would do on launch day except for turning on those engines and launching the rocket. So they practiced fueling, the countdown of the launch, and they were pretty happy with how things worked out. It's a new vehicle, it's a new system, so they caught some hiccups and some kinks in the system, but were able to modify their plans and conduct a successful wet dress rehearsal, getting down, I think, T-minus, you know, some 20 seconds before launch, which is a significant amount of time to do for a dress rehearsal. So That was definitely something that that had to be done, and the teams are very happy with it. We're just one week away from that very first launch window opening. In that time frame, what's left for NASA to do to prepare for takeoff? There's still quite a bit of prep work to be done at the launch pad. When I spoke last week with NASA, they were, you know, making their connections and attaching fuel lines and communication lines. This will carry no crew. There'll be no astronauts on board, but there's a few mannequins and some scientific payloads that will be deployed around the moon when it gets there, but they have this, what they call late load. So certain things can't be on the vehicle for a very long time. So they'll have to load those in. And then it's just a matter of conducting the countdown, like the teams practiced back in June. Um, The actual countdown starts a few days before liftoff. So they'll fuel the rocket and then launch it. So some things we'll be watching is weather, obviously. As you know, weather is quite unpredictable and stormy this time of year. But there are three launch opportunities for this particular launch in the coming days. So hopefully weather works out for that. But yeah, they'll just be keeping an eye on the vehicle and get those late payloads in and then count down to T minus zero and send that thing to the moon. So what's the goal of this mission and of this program? Yeah, so this is a critical first step in the Artemis program. This mission is called Artemis 1. Artemis in mythology is the twin sister of Apollo, which was our last time we went to the moon, NASA called it the Apollo missions, which sent 12 people to the lunar surface. Artemis 1 will not be taking humans, it will be testing the vehicle Orion. This is the deep spacecraft that will eventually take humans. So really the goal of this mission is just to prove that that these things work, 
measure what might happen to astronauts. One of the mannequins that's on board will be carrying a radiation sensor, basically because once you leave deep space, you don't have the protection of the Earth to stop you from getting blasted by radiation. So they're going to measure just how much radiation these astronauts may absorb while they're in deep space and what they have to do to mitigate any risks that come with that. They're going to be launching some CubeSats. So these are kind of like toaster oven-sized satellites uh, that will produce various science experiments from lunar orbit. And then the vehicle has to come home. And I think one of the most important things that NASA will be testing is the heat shield of the Orion spacecraft. When you're coming back from the moon and you slam into the atmosphere, it creates a lot of friction and a lot of heat. And that heat shield needs to work perfectly to protect those astronauts on board. So really, in a nutshell, Artemis 1 is kind of like a test flight, just to see if everything works. And then the next flight, Artemis 2, will actually have astronauts on board. What will you be looking for, and what could spectators be looking for when launch day arrives that could be indicative of success or even the future of the program? Well, if it gets off the pad, that's definitely a success. So if you see a launch, then we're heading in the right direction. There are hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of things that can go wrong leading up to liftoff or preventing liftoff from happening. So if the launch director, Charlie Blackwell-Thompson, if she gives the go for launch and we get the countdown down to zero and we see that rocket take to the sky, then that is a really good sign that everything is working properly and where it needs to be. So that's what I'll be watching, <laughs> just to see if it leaves the ground. That was WMFE's space reporter Brendan Byrne on the lead-up to NASA's Artemis 1 mission. I'll be in Cape Canaveral on launch day to cover the historic launch for WUFT News, so be sure to stay tuned to all of our channels for more on the mission. Now let's catch you up on today's top stories from around the state. Today, WUFT News continues its series, Watershed. Natalia Galixa digs into the surprising lack of oversight for water quality at the University of Florida's signature freshwater lake in her story, A Lake Named Alice. Kalia Richardson reports on Florida subsistence fishers who don't always get the message about pollution advisories. Sarah Lindsay finds rural North Floridians relying on bottled water in one of the most water-rich parts of the United States due to groundwater worries. And Marlena Carrillo looks at the phenomenon of over-tourism in the state in her story, Loving Florida, Losing Florida. High heat along with high humidity could lead to multiple heat-related health risks. According to Florida Storm's Melissa Fado and Justin Ballard, a recent analysis shows that equivalent temperatures, a metric of humid heat, has been on the rise since the 1950s. A Republican House candidate from St. Augustine has been banned from Twitter for advocating violence against the federal government. Florida Politics AG Gankarski reports Luis Miguel was suspended from the site after tweeting that Floridians should be able to shoot federal agents on site. Subscribe to The Point newsletter, which drops the latest Florida stories into your inbox every weekday morning at 8 a.m. Visit wuft.org for more information. I'm Jacob Sedesi, and you've been listening to The Point from WUFT News out of the University of Florida. Have a great Monday.